Friends, welcome to the Slaking Thirst podcast, where you'll find the homilies, talks, and reflections of Father Ryan Mann and Father Patrick Schultz of the Diocese of Cleveland. Slaking Thirst is all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, which is also a divine heart, seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts will meet and both thirsts will be slaked. Thanks for joining us on the journey into Christ's desire for us. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus went to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. So something I was thinking about um, for this feast day, this solemnity of Peter and Paul, I was thinking about how, um, or maybe the Holy Spirit brought this to my mind, how the, every bishop around the world, uh, every few years or so, every bishop travels to Rome for what's called the Ad Limina Visits. Um, ad limina, Latin for like to the threshold. So they come to the threshold of the Holy Father for meetings um, to talk about things going on in their diocese, their archdiocese, things like that. What's on the Holy Father's mind, what's on the bishop's mind, those sorts of things. Um, but the, the main reason for the ad limina visits, the main um, purpose of them, and it's actually spelled out in canon law, it's required of every bishop that on their ad limina visit they come to pray before the tombs of Peter and Paul. Like, it's part of canon law. To be a bishop, you just know if every couple years or so, you're flying to Rome and you're spending time praying in front of the tombs of Peter and Paul, which I think is pretty amazing when you actually consider, like, what that actually means. That, like, canon law does not say bishops have to go to the Holy Land. But canon law doesn't say bishops have to go to the tomb of the Holy Sepulchre or sit uh, at the shore of the Sea of Galilee or, um, yeah, I don't know, like spend some time on Calvary inside the Shrine of the Holy Sepulchre. No, no, no. Like, canon law prescribes that every bishop, because of their office, because of their mission, you have to sit in the presence of the mortal remains of these two men because it's like, these are your older brothers, these are your older brothers, and you must spend time with your older brothers. You have to let your heart listen to what they have to say. Because they're so pivotal. There is no Christianity in some ways without Peter and Paul. Um, there absolutely is no Christianity without it. They are archetypal, right? They are archetypal in the Christian life. We talk about the Petrine charism, the sort of administrative um, shepherding um, yeah, headship sort of charism. We talk about the Pauline charism, the preaching, the teaching, the evangelizing, the missionary impulse. 
talk about them possessing these distinctive, definitive charisms there in the heart of the church. And good priests, good bishops, I think, have a, a good blend of both. But what struck me this morning when I was praying about Peter and Paul is that before, the, before they were basilicas, right, St. Peter's Basilica, St. Paul outside the wall, the other one of the four major basilicas, before Peter and Paul were basilicas, before they were statues or paintings, before they were icons, before they were even cities, right? Think of St. Petersburg or St. Paul. Um, they were two very broken, very shattered, very lost men. That's what we're talking about. Like Paul or Peter was a bombastic fisherman who was always putting his foot in his mouth. Because like right after the gospel, where Jesus is saying, you are Peter upon this rock, I'll build my church. Peter, man, just steps forward and says, when, after Jesus says, so we're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, all these things. Peter says, God forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. And Jesus, just after he said, you are Peter upon this rock, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Which is like, oh, that hurts. All right. But uh, so you got one, this bombastic fisherman, this other who's this zealous Pharisee with a penchant for extreme measures who created the first martyr. I've often thought, what was the, the meeting like when, when Paul was finally martyred and there's like St. Stephen like waiting at the gate for him? Like, hey, Paul, remember me? All right. So these guys, Peter and Paul, Saul, let's say Saul and, 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 and Simon, Saul and Simon, they were, they, were, uh, they were not on the short list of highly impressive candidates to build the church. Peter's denial of Jesus, Paul's murderous rampage, like, and yet, and yet they were these chosen instruments. That's how God's always worked, though. Like, that's just how he does things. I mean, to, to be the father of the great nation of Israel... God didn't choose a young, strapping man. He chose a man who was married to a woman who were both in their 90s, way above childbearing years, to be the father of multitudes, to be the general leading his people out of slavery into freedom. He didn't choose a moral, upstanding figure. He chose a murderer with a speech impediment, Moses, right? To slay Goliath and to be the first king, he didn't choose a, an impressive, warlike figure. He chose this little boy, David. Right? Like, God's story doesn't come out of Jerusalem. It comes out of Nazareth. Right? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? To be the pillars and pylons, the foundation stones of the church, God chose Simon and Saul, Peter and Paul. But this is the logic of heaven. This is how God reaches into the unexpected places to do with people what nobody expects possible. And I think what, what, when I was sitting with this more and more, it's like he does that also with our hearts. That this solemnity of Peter and Paul just reveals it like God wants to utilize as instruments the stuff in us that we think is most unusable. Um, the stuff that we think is most disqualified, the stuff that we think is most just buried in the trash heap of, like, that's just junk. Like, if Peter and Paul are teaching us anything, God reaches into the, the, the junk heap to find his gold. So, like, that's what's going on when the Lord is constantly pressing into our own hearts. He's saying, I'm trying to find the thing you think I can't use 
at all. And we use that the most. So we want to let Peter and Paul whisper their encouragements to our hearts today. Um, We want to let them speak to us and give us courage and boldness. Most of all, we want to ask that they would intercede for our bishops, our um, cardinals, our Holy Father, that they would be good shepherds after the heart of Jesus. Amen.